Well, good morning again. So, so today we're starting this brand new series called Summer Break, Breaking from Bad Theology. And, and kind of what we're going to be looking at during this four-week series is actually assumptions or, or different things that we may say or believe as Christians that are actually bad theology. It, it actually really isn't what's in the Bible. It's not what the Bible really says but it's these assumptions or, or these things that we've believed or come to believe over time. And hopefully during this series, it'll kind of break us from having bad theology. Because unfortunately, when we have bad theology and, and we say or do things that really aren't biblical, we actually push people away from Jesus instead of bringing them to Jesus. And, and with that being said, uh, uh, kind of looking at today, Today's bad theology is actually this. The church is perfect. We as Christians are perfect. Now I know, uh, well, someone says we are. And the reality is I know most of us, most of us would actually say this. Christians are not perfect and that Jesus meets us in our imperfection. We would say that's true. That is absolutely the truth. We're not perfect. Jesus meets us in our imperfections. And, and as we go through this life and we say, hey, hey, this is what we believe. In. And we'd also agree with this following statement, that Jesus came to heal the sick and offer redemption for the sinful. Therefore, it's fitting that our churches are filled with imperfect people. That sounds good, right? Yeah. And we'd all agree with that, right? Eh, maybe as long as they're not sitting in my seat. Maybe as long as they dress the way that we dress or they talk the way that we talk. You know, we, we get this, well, you're right, Pastor, we're imperfect people. But sometimes we get caught up with, but it's a perfect church, and, and why is this person here? And we may push someone away from Jesus because they don't look like us, talk like us, act like us. And, and it should be filled with imperfect people because guess what? Every one of us is imperfect, right? So that's why we're here, right? I think it's interesting. Most of us have heard the saying, the church is a hospital for sinners, right? That's why we're all here. We, we needed a healer. We, we needed a hospital because of our sin. But unfortunately, I think some of us kind of deal with the other side of that phrase. Not just that the church is a hospital for sinners, but that the church is not a museum for saints. And as true as that is, like I said, I think sometimes we get caught up with the, well, it's for us. It's for us, it's not for them on the outside. This is for us as the saints to come in, and we never change anything about the church. We keep everything the way it was from when I was a little kid because I want nothing to change. Reality? Some people actually go through that. Some people actually, it's funny, in the two and a half years I've been here, most of the complaints I've heard have either been I prefer this, 
this is how it's always been done. Back when pastor so-and-so was here, we did it this way. And I notice it's all these I and we statements. So, so it's more about my own personal wants or, or my own personal wi wishes, or it's about this is what it's always been, so it's become this man-made tradition. And I think all of us sometimes get caught up in that to where we start looking at the church as it's a museum for, for saints instead of a hospital for sinners. And I, I think, unfortunately, we, we do get caught up with the, we got the head knowledge of I'm not perfect, I'm a sinner, I, I, I needed Jesus in my life. But I think on that flip side of it, sometimes we act like we're perfect. Sometimes we don't, we, we, we act like it's all about us and no one else. You know, there's a saying back in church I've heard for years and years, it's, it's us for no more, you know, so it's just about us and nobody else. You know, we got our own little country club going on here, and, and you got to fit the mold to come into the country club. And unfortunately, there are many churches out there like that today. And it's not about a country club. This is a place for people to come who need a Savior. That's why every one of us attend a church, because we need a Savior. And the realization that we have to still move forward and not get stuck in tradition. Now, one of the things I do whenever I read Scripture is I kind of get a picture in my mind as I'm reading through the Scripture and to kind of almost feel like I'm involved in what's going on in the Scripture and sometimes I'll see myself as the different characters uh, in the scripture itself. And in today's scripture, there's quite a few characters. And the unfortunate thing is, is I've seen myself as every one of them. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and dig in. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew behind you. Um, but we're going to, there's two different accounts of, of things happening here in the beginning of Matthew chapter 9. And as I read it, I want you to really think about the people involved and where you fit in. So with that being said, Matthew 9, uh, verses 1 through 13. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Just then some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Have courage, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the scribes said to themselves, He's blaspheming. Perceiving their thoughts, Jesus said, Why are you thinking evil things in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to get up and walk? but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he told the paralytic, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. So he got up and he went home. When the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and gave glory to God and had, uh, who had given such authority to men. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the toll booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. 
While he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now when he heard this, he said, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. So we see this This all starts out in, in chapter 9. It, it says, you know, basically, so he got in the boat and he crossed over and went to his own town. And, and when we first get there, you, you see in this scripture, you see a paralytic be healed, and you see Matthew called to be a follower, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, I think there's many things in these verses, and like I said, many times through these verses, uh, I see myself as the different people in it. Now, now, just prior to this, at the end of chapter 8 of Matthew, Jesus had just healed demon-possessed men. He, he had the demons go in a herd of pigs, and, and they go and they run off a cliff, and you know, most of you know the story. And the whole town comes out, and instead of praising God for what Jesus did, and, and here the demon-possessed man was no longer possessed, they ran Jesus out of town. They told Jesus, you need to get out and get away from here. But then we see him here at the beginning of chapter 9, people bringing someone who needs healing to him. And I think sometimes we get caught up the same way. Sometimes we, we don't want Jesus to be there. Like, you know, we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, and, and Jesus, you need to stay away. And we'll kind of push him away instead of bringing people to him. You know, he, he already knows what we're doing, but we actually, in our mindset, we kind of think that he really doesn't know what we're doing, but, but he knows all of it. And... I think a lot of times we get so caught up in ourselves that we miss these other opportunities. We, we, we miss what Jesus is trying to do. We, we miss not only what he's trying to do in our life, but what he's trying to do in someone else's life because we'll get so caught up in ourselves. And, and it's just amazing the different contrast how people are, but I say it's amazing, but when we look around and we see that different contrast in the world today. There's people who know that they're sinners, that they need healing, and they're looking for Jesus. And then there's others who are so willingly to tell him, you got to go. You, you can't have your religion here. You can't talk about Jesus. You, you can't read the Bible. And they... They will push Jesus and they'll push God and his word or try and push him out instead of inviting him in. And as Christ followers, we need to be the ones who, who bring him in to other people's lives. You know, in today's scripture, I look, I've been that paralytic. I've been Matthew. I've, I've been someone who is sick or, or an outcast who, who need to be healed or, or need a savior. Yeah, I could see myself as that kind of person. Uh, where, where I had friends who said, hey, you know, your life is messed up. 
I got someone you need to meet. And they brought me to Jesus. I've seen myself as that tax collector and that, that outcast in the world do, doing things that maybe people didn't agree with, but it was a job. And realizing even in that time that you may be hated for the job that you do, you still need Jesus. And Jesus can still come to you and tell you, follow me. And it's that ability to actually take those steps and do what he calls you to do. Unfortunately, I've also seen myself as a scribe and a Pharisee. I think it's interesting that in, uh, in the two scenarios that we look at it, in the first one, they were just thinking the thoughts. Verse 3 says they thought to themselves. So here Jesus knows what they're thinking and calls them out. As they're thinking to themselves, how can he do this? He's, he's blaspheming. Only God can heal people. And he automatically gets, they get legalistic with, with what they're talking about. And, and you know, they're, they're not upset because this man is suffering. They don't care about the paralytic. They don't care the, about the life he's living. They're more worried about their own religious beliefs and their own religion instead of the relationship side of it. And, and I think in our lives we kind of get caught up that same way. We get caught up in a religion instead of a relationship. We get caught up in traditions man-made traditions, in, instead of moving forward with what God and the Holy Spirit calls us to do. So, so we'll get caught up just like these scribes and the Pharisees questioning what's going on instead of worrying about the one who's sick, instead of worrying about the one who's lost. And, and here you, you look at their, their religious perspective offered zero help for the paralytic. Zero help whatsoever. And we need to ensure that our religious perspective doesn't become callous like a Pharisee. Doesn't become like a scribe. But that, that as we look at our religious perspective, that, that we keep who Jesus is at the forefront. That we can be who he called us to be and, and understand that Jesus has the ability to heal. He has that ability to give forgiveness. He has that grace and that love that each one of us is supposed to give. However, we'll get so caught up in our religion that we won't give that grace and love to anybody. We want to hold it on to ourselves, and then we start to think that we're perfect. But none of us are perfect. I think it's interesting, as not only with the paralytic, but then the people who were at the table with Matthew. You know, the, the, the Pharisees, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? First off, what a concept. What a concept. Invite tax collectors, invite sinners to come to your house and have a meal with Jesus. That's a pretty good concept, isn't it? But most of us would be like, oh, they ain't coming to my house. Well, that sinner ain't coming to my, mm -mm. I'll take them to Burger King or something. They can meet Jesus and have it their way. I'm not going to bring them to my house. 
And the reality is, look at this concept of Matthew was literally just called, follow me. Matthew threw a party. Matthew threw a party for Jesus, invited all of his other friends who he knew were messed up like him. He knew they were outcasts. He knew they needed a Savior. They needed healing. Invited them to come sit at the table with Jesus. When's the last time you invited someone to sit at the table with Jesus? And unfortunately, the reality may be, I'm kind of like them Pharisees. Why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? Oh, you're in the world. You must be of the world. No. No one is ever going to find out about Jesus if we don't go out and tell them about it. Uh, unfortunately, we, we get this, this image of Pharisees in our mind. And, and I think of this. Who would you rather have dinner with? Jesus, who has love and compassion, or Pharisees who have a religion and are going to judge you? Who wants to go out to dinner with people you know are going to judge you? Nobody? So why, don't, why do we do that? We will judge people and judge who can come and sit at the table with us. And we had a conversation uh, last week about the table. Think about growing up. Growing up in your own families, where did everything take place? It took place at the table. It took place at the dinner table. And you better be at the dinner table, especially on Sundays. While here in today's world, we need to get people to come to the table. Bring people to the table, sinner, non-sinner. Bring them to the table so that they can have a meal with Jesus. Don't get caught up being like the scribes and the Pharisees and pushing people away. We, we need to see our friends at the table. So, of course, the question would be, how far are you willing to go to bring a friend to Jesus? Some of us won't go across the street. Some of us, you don't understand, Pastor, that's messy work. Guess what? Get your pants dirty. It's messy. When you go into someone's world who's messed up, it's messy. It's going to be there. It's a fact of life. Everyone's life is messy. Give you a little a st statistic I found. 95% of all people healed in the Bible, healed in the gospel, 95% of the ones who were healed by Jesus were brought to Jesus by somebody else. So think about that. If 95% of all the healing you see in God's Word was because someone brought that person to Jesus, how many people have you brought to Jesus? How many people do you go past each and every day that you know need Jesus? They need some type of healing. They need a breakthrough in their life because their life is messed up, their life is jacked up, and they need a Savior, they need a healer. Are you willing to get messy with them to bring them to Jesus? Are you willing to pick up the mat of your friend and lay them at Jesus' feet? See, a lot of us don't want to be the mat carrier. We don't want to pick up the corner of the mat because that's hard work. 
It might require a little bit of sweat. might require a little bit of work to do it. And, well, they'll meet Jesus some other day. Here's the reality. No one knows what tomorrow is going to bring. No one knows how long you're going to be here. We need to be willing to be one of those friends who will lift up the mat of a friend and bring them to Jesus. Bring them for that healing power. Bring them for who they are. Because the reality is people who don't know Jesus aren't just going to come to Jesus on their own. As much as we may wish to go and come to Jesus on their own, generally someone will bring them to Jesus. When's the last time you brought somebody to Jesus? Now, for some of you, it's a reality check. Pastor, all I got is churchy friends. All my friends are Christians. I, I live in this Christian bubble. And, and I can't go outside that bubble because the world's messed up and, and, and I don't like the way these people talk. I don't like the way they act. And, and, and my Christian bubble is perfect. And then we start to live that life like we're perfect. Even though our head tells us we're not perfect, we need, a, we need a Savior. We start trying to live in this perfect Christian world. And if none of us are perfect, guess what? All your churchy friends aren't perfect either. And in your little Christian bubble, I bet some of you are judging some of the people in your bubble. I'd be guilty of it. There's some people in my bubble that I'm looking at like, man, they need Jesus. And, and I know they say they're Christ followers, man. I know they're in church. I know they read their Bible. And I look at them and I'm like, man, they need Jesus. But I know it's still a work in process. You know, it, it's a work in process for each one of us. And every one of our lives gets a little dirty. Every one of us has times when, when we just mess up. There, there's times in all of our lives when we go through suffering. And the reality is all suffering in the world is either directly or indirectly associated with sin. Think about it as someone innocent or guilty. We all suffer alike. Whether you're a Christ follower or not a Christ follower, suffering's still there. We're still going to go through suffering in our life. It's how we deal with it and what we look to for it. As a Christ follower, when, when, when I feel suffering coming on, I, I know my God can take care of it. I, I know he's big enough to, to deal with my mess. He's big enough to deal with what I'm going through in my life. He, he's big enough to handle it all. But sometimes I still try and do it myself. I still argue with God. I mean, last week I argued with God for a long time last week. Needless to say, I didn't win. Because I realize I'm not perfect. And I realize there's still times I want my way. God, I know your ways are good, but I want my own way. I, I want this to work out the way I want it to work out. I want to do this or I want to do that. And, and the realization is you notice I'm saying I. Because then it becomes about me. It becomes about myself. It doesn't 
I'm not then, I'm more of a Pharisee. I'm not worried about what other people may think, what other people may say, because it all comes back to myself. And the reality of it is millions of people are struggling with sin each and every day in their life, Christian and non-Christian alike, and we as Christ followers should be better at dealing and helping people than we are. Instead of thinking that, you just need to pray more. Oh, their faith must not be strong. We'll put these labels on someone as to what they're going through in their life when the reality is next week you may be going through the same thing. And then you'll label it totally different. Our good intentions are never enough. Our approach needs to be like that of Jesus. We need to truly care. We can't just preach to them. We need to roll up our sleeves and we need to be practical in what we do. It means we got to get messy. It means we got to be willing to, to lay aside some of our own time to be there to help somebody. It may mean we, we have to, you know, it may get smelly. It may not be easy. But we got to be willing to take those steps just like Jesus was willing to take those steps. Uh, we, we need to try and heal people's hearts. We need to comfort them and we need to love them the same way that Jesus does for us. We need to be willing to take those steps and be different than the Pharisees and the scribes. And unfortunately, like I said, I, I think we, we see them. You see, you, when you look at Jesus, Jesus was all about his word and his deeds. If he said it, he did it. I think a lot of times in our life, you know, a lot of us talk a good talk, but we can't walk the walk. You know, we're good talkers, bad walkers. It's like, hey, we can't chew gum and walk at the same time, so we can't talk all this Christian stuff and actually walk all this Christian stuff at the same time. The reality is that's where the rubber meets the road. I had a conversation last week talking with someone about when you truly walk the walk every day of your life, when you actually have to walk it, when you're living and you work in a secular world, you work in the real world, and you're working with people who are not Christians, and you're not inside your little Christian bubble, and you're dealing with people of the world, you've got to be able to walk the walk. Because talking the talk isn't going to get you anywhere at all. Talking the talk is going to make you a hypocrite, to consider you a Pharisee, because all you're going to have is rules and regulations and how they're falling short of it. When you actually walk in that walk, you got that love, you got that compassion. You, you want to help them just like Jesus would help them. You want to get dirty right there with them. You want to help them through whatever they're going through and, and be open and honest about it. Realize that, that Jesus just does, doesn't see sinners. When Jesus called Matthew, he didn't see a sinner. Jesus saw a disciple. Jesus saw the person who was going to write the gospel to the Jews. He didn't see a tax collector. He didn't see a sinner. He saw the potential inside of Matthew. 
Unfortunately, we don't see the potential inside of people because we see what's on the outside of them. Jesus looks at the heart. We need to do the same thing. Look to the inside of a person instead of just the mess that's around them. Because a lot of times we get so caught up with what they're going through that we forget that they still need someone inside. They still need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. They still need to know about who Jesus is, which hopefully can get them past where they're at. I love Jesus' answer. It's so interesting. I don't think there's a person in this room who if they saw a doctor in the middle of a bunch of sick people would question the doctor. You'd probably never question a physician who's working in a hospital because you kind of think that's where they should be, right? Well, isn't that where we should be as Christ followers? Shouldn't we be in the midst of people who need Jesus? If we're going to be Jesus with skin on and our job is to go and make disciples, shouldn't we have dinner with some sinners? Shouldn't we take some time and, and not only talk to them, but let them see our walk, that we're not only talking Jesus, but we actually live a life for Jesus? What a difference. What a concept. Oh, my God, we just figured it all out. Guess what? Every one of you knew that already, right? You already knew that, and you, oh, I, pastor, I know that. Okay, are you actually doing it? There's the reality. <clears throat> are you actually doing it? Has it gone from head knowledge to heart knowledge? That is the difference. That is the difference between the people inside these stories. You know, you had the, uh, you had Matthew who needed to be healed. You had the paralytic needed to be healed. Then you had people who stepped up to the plate. Matthew, after getting his healing, called his friends. Hey, y'all need to come meet Jesus. I'm throwing a party. The friends of the paralytic knew he needed help, knew that Jesus could help him, so they picked him up and carried him to Jesus. And then we had the Pharisees and the scribes, those religious elites. I can't believe you're in my seat. I can't believe you came to church dressed like that. I can't believe. What can't you believe? Jesus accepted you the way you were. See, I think a lot of times we forget the way we used to be and and how messed up we were. And, And like I said, we've got this head knowledge of I'm not perfect. But I think sometimes our heart is total opposite. We think that we're perfect. We treat other people like we're perfect because we're Christians. And that is the farthest thing from who we really are. And, and I think that's, that's some of that bad theology that will actually steer people away from Jesus. Because when we start acting like Pharisees and scribes, we will push people away. And it's the last thing probably any of us want to do. Unless you're really upset about someone sitting in your seat. And my prayer is that next week someone's sitting in your seat. And the week after that someone else sitting in your seat. 
and the week after that, somebody else. And, and until you get to the point that you don't care where you sit, it's no longer your seat. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, it doesn't bother me if someone's in my seat and the whole time they sit someplace else, they'd ever heard a word the pastor is saying because in their mind they're thinking, well, next week I need to get up early and I need to get here earlier so I can sit in my seat. And then if they come up, I'm just going to say, sorry, and, and I'm going to love them, but I'm going to do it from my own seat. And you don't hear anything that's going on because you're too busy worried about what you're going to do next week to get your seat back. And I think sometimes as Christians, we do that for a lot of things. It's not just about a seat. It's about, oh, well, I, I need to do this or do that. And, and, and you know, they don't know Jesus, and, and that's too bad for them. And, and, and I'll just kind of plant a seed. Let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, sorry, you don't want to hear about him? Okay, well, I did my job. Bringing someone to Jesus is hard work. Be willing to do the hard work. It's not a one and done kind of thing for you to, you know, in some cases you may get someone, hey, I want you to come to church with me. You, you, I want you to meet my Jesus. I can't explain it, but hey, just come to church and listen to my pastor. Okay, let's go. Sometimes that can actually happen, believe it or not. It can happen. But most times what do you do? Hey, can you... Yeah, I'll be there. Sunday goes, they're not here. What do you do? Oh, and they got this excuse. I'll be there next week. Guess what? Next week they don't show up either. Then the following week they still don't show up. And after about three or four times asking them, what do you do? You stop asking, right? You, you stop going to them. You figure, well, that's too bad. Well, guess what? They still need Jesus. It just means you got to put in some work. Maybe you got to get a little in, inventive. Hey, you know what? Why don't you come to church with me, and when we're done, we'll go get barbecue. I'll feed you. Most people will come with you if you're going to feed them. That's a reality. Food and fellowship go together. If you tell someone, I'm going to feed you, they will come to church with you. Sometimes it takes a little work. Be willing to do the work uh, to, to get your friend to Jesus. So, of course, the question is, where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself in here? Remember, Christians are not perfect, but Jesus meets us in our imperfections. Jesus met us where we are. Jesus came to heal the sick. He came to offer redemption for the sinful. So therefore, it's fitting for churches to be filled with imperfect people. Every one of us is imperfect. Anyone we invite to church is going to be imperfect. Some of them may be a little more imperfect than you. Just so you know. They may be a little more imperfect. They may have a little more junk going on in their life. But it still doesn't make us perfect. Remember, the church is not a museum for saints. This is not a museum. Museums, you're quiet. You're taking in the scenery. We're not here to take in the scenery. We're not here to be quiet. We come here to worship our almighty God. We come in here 
to be to learn to be more like him so that when we leave here we can actually go into the world and be like him not just while we're in here in church putting on a pretty face and a pretty smile it's getting dirty when we leave here and get into our mission field church is not a museum for saints some of y'all might want to get that tattooed on your forearm so you can look down and see it. Or maybe on this arm, church is a hospital for sinners. Because we forget about it as soon as we get into the world. We forget about it as soon as someone with a messy life comes into our life. Where do you see yourself in today's story? You see yourself as one of the Pharisees are scribes, stuck in man-made traditions, being judgmental with your religion. Maybe you see yourself as one of those who brings a friend to Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and, and you're like that paralytic. Or maybe you're like Matthew. You're, you're an outcast, and you're hurting, and you're sick, and you need to be healed, and you need a Savior. Well, here's some good news. You're not perfect. Neither is anyone in this room. God's Word says that we're all sinners, and we all fall short of the glory of God. So you're in good company. None of us are perfect. God, God comes here to accept you where you are. But he doesn't expect you to stay where you are. He expects you to move forward, to be more like him. God showed his love for us, that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it says if you can... Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. That's where you start realizing that, that you've gone from that paralytic or you've gone from Matthew who, who was stuck in that tax collector's booth and, and taking money from his own people and giving to the Rome to the Romans and and he was disliked by everyone. He was this outcast. And, and then Jesus came into his life. And he realized that something changed. So he threw a party. And he invited all of his tax collector and all of his sinner friends to come and meet Jesus. I think that's the part that we forget. We, we forget about the party. We forget about what Jesus has done in our life. We, we forget about how on fire we were and how excited we were that we were healed. And we no longer invite people to come to the table. If you've never come to the table and accepted Jesus, you can do it today. After our final song, be, I'll be up here. Prayer partners will be up here. You can come up here today and accept Jesus today. 
But maybe you're saying, well, Pastor, I'm really good at being a Pharisee, and I'm really good at being a scribe, and and I don't want them messy people at my table. Well, maybe you need to come up here and get some prayer also. Maybe you need to come up here and ask God to forgive you for you thinking you're perfect. Even though in your head you're very quick to tell everyone, oh, I'm not perfect, but in your mind you think you are. Come up here and we can pray for you also. If you've got something going on in your life, that come on up at the end of this final song and, and pray with us. biggest thing is remember you are not perfect none of us are we serve a perfect God but none of us are perfect so may we live the life he's called us to live and in the Bible of 95% of the people were brought to Jesus to be healed we need to start being bringing 95% of the people we know to be healed. And I would take it a little farther. Every one of us knows somebody. Make it 100% of the people you know that don't know Jesus, bring them to Jesus. Bring them to a place where they can meet Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for who you are and what you do in our lives. And, and Lord, the reality that I think every one of us sees ourselves as a Pharisee or a scribe. Lord, we get caught up in, in, in a religion instead of a relationship. We, we get caught up wanting to follow rules that are man-made instead of following what your word calls us to follow. Lord, help us to be more like you. Help us to realize that we were the paralytic who needed a healer we were Matthew who needed a Savior. That we would invite all of our friends to come to the table to meet you. And that we have no problem like you having meals with sinners and tax collectors. Lord, it, it, it doesn't mean we're going to go back and be like them. But Lord, that we'll be able to not only talk the talk, but they'll see us walk in the walk as a follower of yours in everything that we do. And that as we bring them to a place that, Lord, that you will show up and do the same thing in their lives that you've done in our lives. And that we will seek you in all that we do. And, Lord, make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, 
definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com. And on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.